Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. All this kind of reasoning and, and everything else, and it's like, look, look, there are things that God has said plainly. We just need to take them at his word. Don't challenge his word. Everybody that finds themselves challenging God's word loses. Don't ever forget that. Those that make themselves, they oppose the word of God. They come against the word. Nobody does that and wins in the end. Everybody that does that loses. So let God be true and every man of what? Liar. Everybody speak against what he said. Let them be the liar. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a he said, she said argument? Maybe your kids have tried to convince you of their innocence or some co-workers were passing the blame to the other. In those situations, it's difficult to discern who is telling the truth and who is lying. Sometimes you will hear people have the same type of argument about something God has said. But as Pastor Bill teaches today, whenever someone is questioning what God has said, you should always believe God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. And um, it'll kind of go question, answer, question, answer. So first question, what advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? So after Paul just pretty much laid down that how though they're in their religion, they're lost. And they said, well, then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Why did we get circumcised? What's you know, what's the big deal about it? And I got to point this out for them. The Jews are God's chosen people. God selected them way back when God set his affection, said it. He made them. This is going to be my people, Israel. Now, what we know about Israel, what we know about Jewish people is that they haven't chosen him back at large. He chose them. But I've been to Israel. The Israel, it's a rare thing. They're not mostly Christians. They're very religious, very religious. They may be the most religious people in the world. Uh, you go to Israel, they have things that they practice to the I mean, they, they practice the law. They don't work on the Sabbath. They got areas in Israel where on the Sabbath day, the elevators all stop on their own. So you don't have to push a button because that would be work. I mean, they, they go far with their attempts to keep the law and so forth and so on. But they've rejected Jesus. They don't receive Christ. So uh, they say, what's the advantage? And what would be the advantage of being Jew? Or of being circumcised, which is a sign of the covenant that they have between God. The answer, verse two, uh, he said, much and in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. Says there is an advantage, there is a benefit of being a Jew. And he says, this is what it is, that to the Jew were committed the oracles of God. And I got to, I mean, as, as I look at our history, how do we get our Bible? How, you know, how do we get our, our Bible from way back then to now? And it's been accurate. Who did that? And for anybody that studies how we got our Bible and the role that the, Jew, the Jewish people played, their scribes in it, their religious nature really lended itself to us getting the Bible the way God intended. If you look at the way that their scribes would write the Bible, they would write it on parchment. They would write it on scrolls and every letter had to be perfect. Every letter, every word, the spacing had to be perfect. If there were a mistake, they didn't have white out back then. If it were a mistake, they balled the whole thing up and started over. When they came to the name of God, they went and washed ceremonially. They went and washed themselves because it was so holy. They wouldn't speak it and they wouldn't even write it all the way out. They just wrote the pieces in the middle. I mean, they gave such care and such reverence to the word of God that that's how come the Bible we got today is legit. 
And anybody, they're, they're showing the Dead Sea Scrolls all over right now. If anybody doesn't know the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found an original copy of the book of Isaiah. And for all those that scoff at our Bibles, the Bible's been changed so many times. You can't trust that Bible has been rewritten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they found an original copy verified and they got it all unscrolled. And when they went and checked it and they compared it to the Bible we have today, guess what? Same thing. Same thing. That means the Bible that I'm holding right now is legit. And everybody with them empty arguments about they changed the Bible so many times and did their homework. So. So he says one benefit for you guys is that, hey, the oracles of God, the word of God was committed to you guys. That's a benefit that they had God's word. The challenge is that though they were given this great privilege to have God's word, they haven't kept it all. They've been stuck in an area, in a region of the law. The next question, look at verse three. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? They said, well, you know, what if some of them don't believe? Will that make the faithfulness of God of no effect? Will that, will that change anything from what God's perspective if some of the Jews don't believe? We know most of them have not. And so Paul's answer in verse four, certainly not. And he says, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. So God says, look, if they don't believe, it doesn't take anything away from me. Let me be true and every man a liar. And everybody here, that ought to be your life practice as a believer. That when you heard a word from God or you got an instruction or direction from God and somebody out there says something different, you can go ahead and call them the liar. That you don't ever challenge God based on what they say. When God says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, when the science teachers and the PhD says, you know, what happened now was billions of years ago, there was some goop and some gop and it got together and it mixed up. You say, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, I, I, let God be true and every man a liar and on and on and on. And so God says, look, the fact that they don't believe doesn't change a thing on my part. The question was, will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? And it won't. And this is the cool thing here. This teaches me about the God that I serve. Israel haven't ever at large chosen God back. They've been unfaithful to God all the way through. When it was, if you just study your Old Testament, when they were just practicing Jewish religion, they weren't faithful at that. Now as Christ was prophesied throughout, they killed his prophets. Then as you got to the New Testament and Christ came, they rejected him and crucified him. Then the people that preached him afterwards were rejected by the Jews. They've been, they were rejecting the Lord the whole way. Has God changed his mind in terms of the fact that he chooses them? Nope. Nope. God's like, I know y'all don't want me. I know you don't choose me back. And I know at large you reject me. I still still my choice. I'm not I'm not changing my mind. I mean, it's for the believer. It should really should really minister to your heart because everybody here messes up. Everybody here messes up. Some of y'all mess up a lot. Some of y'all mess up more than others. But just think about that. God says, look, I chose you, though. I chose you. I set my affections on you. And I know you mess up and I know you don't do right. And you'd be slipping and sliding and dipping and dodging and everything else. But guys, I, I still chose you. I chose you. You know, you didn't choose me, but what? I chose you. That you should go for it. God said, I done changed my mind about you. I love you. I just think that should minister to us. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody that, you know, I, I've seen, a, I, I know a couple instances in my life where I've seen a guy that was just head over heels for somebody that didn't want nothing to do with him. And I'm like, bro, just let it go. 
You know, no, nah, man, I mean, he buying flowers every Valentine's Day. She ain't never went out with him once. And every Valentine's Day, he buying her a Valentine. He at school. I'm like, man, you're making a fool of yourself. But just nope, nope. I mean, I had a friend all through high school that liked this girl. And I mean, he had liked her since junior high. They went to the same junior high. She ain't like him then. Got to high school. She still ain't like him. And he just was like, no, nah, I'm just... He just liked her the whole. I, I had never, I couldn't understand it. I had never seen anything like it. But he was just dead set, and uh, and it never worked out. You know, she never changed her mind. And I did eventually talk him into egg in her house, and I said, "Now she'll hate you." And I did, I did. A bad influence. I wasn't saved yet, so don't judge me. But um, you know, I thought it would free him up. I felt so bad for him, you know. But I remember watching that, just thinking like, "Man, she just, just, she just don't do that." You know, she don't even want you. And I look at the Lord and how He just pursues us. And some of you running from them and dipping and hugging and dodging. And God's like, but I, I already set my affection on you. So I'm coming. And I'm coming after you. And every time you fall down and you get hurt bad enough, you'll look up and he'll be right there saying, I, I will save you. I'll, I'll cleanse you. I'll help you. I'll minister to you. And so here they said, well, then if they don't believe, does that change anything about the faithfulness of God? Absolutely not. And it doesn't change a thing about God. God is faithful 100%. Right? And so if, if he would do this for them, just imagine for the man or the woman that says, I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to walk in obedience. So imagine if, if he is loving and pursuing and ministering to those that are saying, I don't want it. Imagine for those that submit and yield how it pleases his heart, how it blesses his heart, what we have in the Lord. So, again, if, if some don't believe, it doesn't change a thing. Let God be true and every man a liar. You should underline and highlight that. That, that should just be a reference for your life. When the world says something contrary to what God has said, don't, I mean, I, I get a little bit offended when I hear believers start backpedaling on stuff that's in, it's in your Bible in black and white because the culture is changing. The world around us is changing. Somebody said, well, you know, I don't really believe a God of love would do X, Y, and Z. I don't care what you believe, right? The Bible says that he will. Right. I don't really think a God of love would send somebody to hell. Well, I don't care. Read Revelation 20. It's people that are going to hell. They're cast into the lake of fire. He tells us how to not be one of them. But it doesn't matter what you feel or how you think or what you believe. Well, I just think and everybody in our culture right now, everybody creates a God that is conducive to their lifestyle. People create a God that doesn't require them to change anything about them. You know, I just believe that God would be okay with this and God understands that and, you know, and, 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 and God made weed and it's a herb. And so I believe God is, is okay with that because it's just from the earth. You know, cocaine is from the earth too. He okay with that? You know, just all this kind of reasoning and, and everything else. And it's like, look, look, there are things that God has said plainly. We just need to take him at his word. Don't challenge his word. Everybody that finds themselves challenging God's word loses. Don't ever forget that. Those that make themselves, they oppose the word of God, they come against the word. Nobody does that and wins in the end. Everybody that does that loses. So let God be true and every man a what? Liar. Anybody speak against what he said, let them be the liar. Next thing, verse 5. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. The answer is certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? And this is the idea here. And a lot of people struggle with this. If when I sin, right, and God's looking to forgive anyway, and, and the blood of Christ already been shed, and kind of when I sin, I give God an opportunity to put his grace on display. I give God an opportunity 
to show forth his goodness when I rebel. So then what's the big deal? I mean, we need to rebel because that's when God's goodness is on his greatest display. And there are some people that, you know, you got people, you guys are looking for the loophole. There's some Christian lawyers out there looking for any way to contrive. Wait, wait, wait. So God is glorified through the forgiveness of sins. What? So then when I sin, God is glorified. You know, so when I sin, God gets glory by forgiving me. So then why don't I? And he said later on, you know, why don't we just continue in sin that grace may abound? No, it's taking it out of its context. Yes, God is glorified. And forgiving us and cleansing us and washing us. But does he do that, that we would continue in it? No, no. God wants us to repent of it. He wants to turn. He wants us to turn away from it. But here again, that question, it's not a, it's not a new question. A lot of people that feel this way, you know, well, you know, just all my sins going to be forgiven anyway. So, you know, I mean, you know, God forgave all my sins. And so I'm going to just go on and do whatever. And I'm forgiven. And I typically this is my thought on people that believe that way. Right. Because there is a transaction that happens when you get saved that it bears certain kind of fruit. When someone has a genuine salvation experience with the Lord, who comes to live inside them? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. Right. So God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside you. So when God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside you, things are going to be different. How many of y'all when y'all were kids behaved or spoke different? When your parents were around, then when you was out and about. Some of you guys, all right? Some of y'all was holy all the time, okay? I didn't. A lot of us hands go up. Like, my speech, I never, ever cussed in front of my mother my entire life. Never. Never. My mother never, she never heard me cuss unless she was over listening where she didn't belong. Why, you know, why I didn't think she was listening? Because mamas belong everywhere. So, but I never, you know, with knowledge that she was present, ever said a cuss word. Just wouldn't do that in front of my mom out of respect. Uh, even as when I was I was lost and not saved, just wouldn't do that. But it felt like when I was out and about, like I couldn't talk without cussing. But when she was present, I was not going to cuss in front of my mother. Even when I was at an age and everything else where it wouldn't have been mattered, just out of respect, wouldn't do it. And there were just things that you just wouldn't do that, not in front of her, you know. And I, I recognize as I look at our relationship with the Lord, everything we do is before him. Right? I don't do anything that's out of his sight, out of his presence. He sees everything. He even sees the things that are brewing in my heart. Right? He sees the things that I'm, I'm, I might not even come out my mouth with it, but he's looking at what's happening in my heart. And we'll, we'll talk more about that a little later. But if God the Holy Spirit is living inside me, whether I'm aware of his presence or not, there is an element, there is an aspect of the Lord where the beginning, there's a conviction against the wrong stuff. God moves in and it's like, imagine your mother moved into your apartment and he just got clean up them dishes in here and she's doing dishes. And I, I know we know some people like that. They'll come over and they're just like, oh, they just start doing dishes and cleaning stuff. I'm like, we just need to have them over all the time, you know, but the Lord move in. He's going to start cleaning stuff up. You know, you're going to be convicted about talking that way and convicted about this. But then, right, there's a graduation because first God's cleaning up stuff. But then the Holy Spirit also begins to empower you to live a new way. And he gives you new desires and starts moving you in a direction to want to do things like this and to desire things over here. God, the Bible says that God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The Holy Spirit working all these things in and through the life of the believer. So someone standing over here telling me I'm saved, but I don't desire anything good and I'm not convicted about anything bad. As a matter of fact, I want to do more bad so God could be glorified. I'm going to say that the Holy Spirit sounds like 
You're absent of the Holy Spirit, which would mean that you're not saved. I have a hard time believing someone genuinely born again right here. No conviction of sin and no desire to live for God, because when God moves in, that's exactly what he does. But this is the cool thing, right? For the believer that's repented of sin and walking in newness over here, he can't boast either because you didn't do it on your own, right? Who's doing it through you? Holy Spirit is working in you. Even in my flesh, I would recognize if my flesh don't want to do certain things, the Holy Spirit gives new desires and new aspirations and stirs your heart up. And then you go out and do it and you get blessed for doing it. And you look back and just think, man, that's God just working through us, you know, moving in our lives. And so you can't really take credit, be boastful, arrogant or proud. But if there's none of these things happening, no conviction against sin and no movement toward new things, I don't see that experience. The biblical salvation experience, there is transformation, right? Old things pass away and what happens? All things become new. So if you're still looking brand old, something didn't happen. You know, something, it just, I don't see anything brand new. And, um, you know, my sister and I grew up very close. We were like this. And I remember when I got saved, it was like, man, I, I missed my, I, that was the first person I went to share the gospel with. And I went, I met her at my dad's house and sat down with her and shared with her and she heard me out, but she wasn't there yet. And then I took her to my messed up church I was going to and it turned her all the way off. One of the ministers, she was like, I'll be seeing him at the club. And she was not lying. He was at the club. We found out later cheating on his wife. Another minister who was engaged to the pastor's niece hit her up for her phone number. And she was like, oh, maybe I'll talk to him. And then, you know, it's, it's one of you. I'm like, he talked to you. I had to go like almost beat up a dude at church for like taking my sister number. You know, that's how messed up the church I came out when I first got saved. But she was like, yeah, I'm cool. I just this church thing is, you know, it just was a bad witness. And then she was in college and I'm talking to her and she had a professor that just had her spun out on stuff. And, and it was just hard. And she wasn't, you know, just wasn't happening. And a couple times, I think to make me happy, she was like, OK, I, she went forward or something. I'm, I'm, and she prayed and, and I was like, OK. But I start, you know, you look afterwards and I'm like, no, it didn't take. <laughs> didn't take. It didn't happen yet. You know, I was like, mm, didn't happen yet. You know, I just knew it. But when it did happen, it was so awesome for me because when my sister did get saved, a few things that were immediately like I just knew I know her very well. So does she knows me, too. We probably know each other better than anybody else in our fallen natures. And I saw things that I'm like, "Ooh, that's brand new. That's not her. Like she would not have let that ride you know, just a little bit ago, but she let that go. And I started seeing things that were evidence. There were, then there was a hunger for the word and a desire to know the word better. And there was a, a seeking after this. And I heard that teacher, but I'm not sure if that part was right. And there was a discernment and there was all these things that said, I know the Holy Spirit's living. And it was such a relief to me to say like, now she going to grow like everybody else, but I know God's living there because there was a conviction. There was a group she met that they were false teachers. And she was like, it just didn't seem right. And, and what do you know about this? She called him like, oh, that's a cult. She's like, so I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit that made you feel how you felt. So you didn't want to continue to go. Oh, she's saved now. And, and just continue to go on and on from there. But I'm saying there's a difference. You know, you can see when it's like, no, nothing's changed. There ain't no discernment, no conviction, no leading, no good stuff, no bad stuff. Just You just look brand old. When we get born again, the Holy Spirit lives inside and there should be a gradual transformation. We're not going to be perfect all at once, but there should be a gradual transformation that happens when he moves in. Amen. And we should look for that and expect that as well. So moving on again, the answer in verse six was certainly not for then. How will God judge the world? 
If God is, you know, obviously God is not unjust in his judgment because God will judge the world one day. Verse seven, for if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. And the, the section here, he just says, look, you know, what if through my lie for God's glory, you know, he's glorified, you know, then is it OK? No, you know, and there are people that do that. There's there are people that tell a testimony and a testimony is a lie and it actually brings God glory. But it's a lie. Why are they still judge the sinner? Because they lie. We're going to come to that in a little bit of the law. There's a song that we sing. And I don't know if some of us know the, the history behind it. Uh, and it's a beautiful song. It's, it's called Healer. Anybody know that song? It's a, I believe you're my healer. Yeah, I'm not going to sing it. But yeah, it's a, the song is written as just declaring that God is my healer. I believe that he's enough for me. And I mean, it just really, really points to Jesus. Now, the individual that wrote it, he gave a false testimony about uh, an illness that he said he had that he didn't really have. And he wrote this song and he would give this really emotional, you know, kind of testimonial and do this song. And it was one of those things that people would just be singing it and crying it. Now, the song is still an amazing song. The words of the song are absolutely true. And God has been glorified through that song. But over here, that guy that told them lies, is he okay now? Is God like, man, I'm cool with that lie because look how much glory I'm getting for it. No, he's not. He still needed to repent. And he did. He did eventually come clean and he repented and even divulged that he had some other issues and challenges and whatever that caused him to that led him down that path. And he renounced his lie. He, you know, he came clean with all that he did. And so I was asked by some worship leaders like, well, then should we sing that song? I'm like, yeah, the song's still true. I saw I still sing. It. I mean, it's still he is my healer. He is enough for me. All the things that it says are true. But the dude that wrote it when he did that. Yeah, he needed to repent for that. So the idea is this. What if I do something bad, but it brings a good outcome? Am I clear? Am I good then? What if I sell crack, but give the money to church? Am I clear? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so we'd just be broke, church. You know, don't nobody go sell crack to help us get our building. We don't want it that bad, you know. Uh, but we don't sin that good would come, right? We, we live right. We trust the Lord. And let the good come when it will. So verse nine, uh, again, are, he said, what then? Are we better than they? No, not at all. For we have previously charged that both Jews and Greeks all are understanding. So now we're kind of getting to this equality because he's been really hammering the Jews. He said, look, I'm really trying to bring you guys low where you guys realize that we're all under sin. Everybody's sin. For some of us, this is not a big thing. We're like, I know this. I know we're sinners. No big deal. No problem. But you'd be amazed as you go out into this world and witness to people at the number of people that believe that they should go to heaven. No transformed life, no savior, no salvation. They believe based on their own merit that I'm not that bad. I should go to heaven. I'm going to say this. I know some non-believers that are better people than some Christians I know. And I understand the frustration of them saying, like, I, I think I should go to heaven. Not understanding that I know that Christian is really messed up, but he does have a savior. <laughs> I mean, he's not getting in on his good merit. He's getting in on Jesus standing for him, you know, but it's confusing. 
But again, I know some people that they're not saved and they're I mean, they're very good people. I really can't find a whole lot wrong with how they're living. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't cuss. They're nice. They're benevolent and all these different things. They just don't know Jesus. And if you could be good enough to go to heaven, I know a few people that I think there might be that good, but you can't be good enough for heaven. Can't be good enough for heaven. There's nothing you could do to be so good that God would say, you know what? You don't need me. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on a rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.